Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I had a lot to say in this intro, but now I'm kind of like just scraping it because some things were said during the pre-show that hurt my heart, but it's still true that on almost this day, a year ago, Mr. Will Polk joined our show and he's been a, made a huge impact because he always tells me when to start talking and when to stop talking. So happy podcasting anniversary to Will. Happy podcasting anniversary to you, Sarah. I've been here longer. I'm always <laughs> going to be the new guy. <laughs> it's not my anniversary. It's yours. Uh, yeah, well, happy anniversary. Thank you for allowing me to join you on this ride. It's been a lot of fun. Well, like I said, who's going to tell me when I can start talking, apparently? Because <laughs> I can't decide that for myself these days. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 why I'm here, to help us get 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 started and hopefully get finished. Yep. Yeah. Try, try to keep things so, on track. And also with us, we have Patricia Miller. She's back. Yeah. Hey, happy podcast anniversary, you guys. Thank you, thank you. Sorry, was that that <laughs> cue, like, not good enough for you? Like, there was a lot of delay there, buddy. Me? Oh. I don't know. I was just waiting for a dramatic effect. Oh. That. <laughs> again, again, I can't see you, but I hear the hair flip. I hear it. <laughs> a lot of uh, hair flip uh, action. On that Skype. <laughs> <laughs> now just we just send like, you a gift. <laughs> yeah, now yeah, please a gift from Mean Girls because all that's playing in my head right now is you can't sit with us. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fetched. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia, like, really stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen one day. It'll happen one day. I love how on Will's podcasting anniversary, we are quoting Mean Girls for a good two minutes there. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in good fun, y'all. It's all in good fun. It's all in good fun. You know, because we worked hard this week. There was a lot of TV. A lot. And yet we still ended up wasting two hours of it with the Gifted season finale. That happened. That I happened. watched it. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I should have listened to you, Sarah. You told me last week, just watch the last five minutes or so. And I'm all, that's all you need to watch. But I was hard headed and I didn't. And you were right. <laughs> you were so, you were so right. <laughs> it, 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 it pained me so much. Like, I could not, I cannot believe from where, where the show started to where it ended. I'm like, seriously, guys? I, I was even picking up on bad ADR, and that hardly ever happens to me. Um, but it was very noticeable in mm. this show, and I just couldn't believe it. And then that final scene happened, and it was a great final five minutes. But even with that, I'm still on the fence on if I'm really going to be on board with watching season two or if it's just going to be the, uh, for another forgotten show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm on the fence. I mean, they really, honestly, it was one of those things where it was on and I ended up like doing other stuff because it was just dragging on so much. Yep. 
Yeah, I didn't Patricia. even get a warning from Sarah about it. I just had to watch it all for myself. <laughs> but hey, we got to work on your sarcastic <laughs> tones <laughs> to not continue. <laughs> I can only save so many people, okay? <laughs> no. So, I, so we, save you, we save you listeners. If you haven't watched it, just fast forward through to, yeah, the last, uh, yeah, the last act. And you'll be just fine. Wait, Patricia, do you agree with that? Or did you have a different thought about it? I enjoyed it. The middle did get a little bit slow. But you're right. The end was like the piece de resistance of the episode season, whatever you want to refer to for your own personal viewing. But it was it was good. (laughs) It was okay. I was I don't know if like yeah season two is gonna come around and I'll probably watch it. It's not like if I was to drop any show from my viewing weekly viewing, it mm-hmm. would probably make the cut of being dropped. So, but yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, superheroes they come and go, and Fox usually premieres before the CW shows return. Yeah. that's usually what happens with those shows it's like ooh, suddenly we need something to cover and this show is starting before that one so there you go (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right let's get to the real meat of this podcast we got our superheroes they're back we're sorry to everyone we we did record last week and then tragedy struck and we're trying to move on from it. Um, and we're sorry that we couldn't share our thoughts about all of the mid-season premieres. We'll try to embed some of those thoughts in this evening's discussion. Um, but for right now, we are covering solely the episodes 11 of the lineup. Does that make sense? Yep. Episode 11 of each season. Yeah. Yep. Too many shows. So let's start with Supergirl. Fort Ross. All girl. Team up. Like, kind of a Suicide Squad flavor to it, because you got all Supergirl teaming up with some of her biggest rivals, both on the field and off the field, if you know what I'm saying. What did everybody think about how who she chose to pair team up with to go to a planet that men are allergic to? Yep, it's yeah. science. And <laughs> she doesn't have powers on, so there's that. <laughs> well, I'm allergic to it, so I can't. I can't really comment. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love that explanation so much. They're like, "Well, nope it it'll it'll kill anybody with the Y chromosome," and I'm like, "Yeah, there's that." <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I really enjoyed. That they brought um, Livewire, and I don't even know her name. I just know her as Petra from Jane the Virgin, but I'm glad they brought her back too, because I really liked her as a villain, and it was nice to see her do more. I guess her powers aren't very like exciting like Livewire's, but it was interesting to see how they affected other people, and I wish that they would have gone into more about how it affected. Kellel's new girlfriend or wife. I don't know her Saturn name. Saturn girl. 
Saturn Girl. Saturn Girl. Isn't it like Esme or something? Yeah, I think that's her actual name. But yeah. uh, it's easier to call her Saturn Girl. But then the other girl was calling her like Meredith or Miranda or something. Okay. But anyway, I wish I wish we would have been able to see more of how that little jolt of power from Petra, the psychic girl, whatever, um, how it affected her. And I'm sure they're going to bring it up in a later episode where she's going to have like PTSD or something. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little cheesy. I'm, I'm sad that Livewire died. That was sort of a crummy deal. But mm-hmm. I really like Livewire. I, I wish we could see more of her. Like, I wish they would have brought her back and made her sort of like a sidekick type thing. That would have been kind of cool to see further on in the show. Maybe Supergirl. she helps out again. Uh, she has Supergirl already has enough sidekicks. I mean, they just brought on the Legion. Does she really need another character to compete with in terms of strength and ability? That's true. The other thing is, I don't know anything about the comic books or whatever, but the whole everybody grab a ring and it's like on a special little spinny <laughs> platform thing. Like, do they always revolve around on this like lazy Susan thing? Are they always spinning to keep their powers in check, or is there some sort of scientific method to this? Anybody else? have issue with the fact that their rings stay on a plastic flat surface while things are happening. Well, I mean, I mean, in the Arrow Cave and in the Flash in Star Labs, they have to put their costumes on display so that if any police officer ever finds themselves in that location, it's right in front of them that, hey, this is a secret hideout for these vigilant vigilantes and heroes so there's that so there's that yeah i you know superhero logic (laughs) i don't know it's what it is but i do like now it's like okay um, it's not suit up it's get your ring (laughs) (laughs) yeah one ring two yeah (laughs) all of them all yeah Yeah. but there was three yeah yeah um yeah (laughs) Yeah, I I like I don't know if they're going to go into and follow up with what actually happened to her when she um, felt very disoriented in that moment, because that's really the powers that she was dealing with. Um, It kind of unhinges you. I was actually hoping that that would lead to her or for for the truth to come out about her relationship with Monel because I still think that there is a real big secret um, that she's withholding from everybody else about that relationship. So, but that didn't happen. So maybe that's an after effect in a later episode, but I don't, I don't really, I think that there's another way to get that out and about. Um, But what I really liked is I did like that live wire, Supergirl rain matchup. I thought that was brilliant. I loved how we saw Sam break through rain in that moment. And for for a brief moment, you actually thought, like, Kara's going to find out. She's going to realize that there's a human underneath that mask. 
And and then it flips back, and before you know it, Livewire's dead, and they save themselves, but there was a casualty in it. Um, so so I kind of I'm enjoying this progression. I feel like we're heading somewhere. And during the pre-show, we were talking about how the fact that Supergirl's going to go off on a longer hiatus, like a little bit abruptly during this third part of their season. And for me, I think you can easily, at the rate they're going, they could wrap this up and then have um, have them come back after this mini hiatus with kind of like an epilogue for the season um, with whatever happens, like it pans out. Rain doesn't have to be here when we come back. Um, and I'm not sure she should because I, I like a faster paced season mm-hmm. than us having too much, too many filler episodes. I, I agree with you on all of that. No, I really enjoyed the fact that they showed, that's the other thing that sort of threw me off where you didn't get to see, um, Esme's reaction to the little mind control thing or not control thing, but whatever, you know what we're talking about. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. but we did get to see Reigns and it wasn't a fear of Reigns. It was a fear of Sam's mm-hmm. underneath. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I mean, that says a lot to where her character is at. That says a lot. And then, you know, at the end of the episode, you get to see, you know, Sam realizing that she's losing time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to really be confirmed that she is losing time and she is blacking out when she becomes rain because you never really knew if she was actually blacking out and losing time or if she was just playing this double life type of thing as rain, but it's actually, you know, flipping a switch in her. So that's, I know you guys talked about it on your last podcast or not your last podcast, but one of the podcasts before about how, seeing her become a redemption story versus just a typical bad guy, really like vanquish all done. Right. Yay, right, right. Type of thing that, I mean, you guys were 100% right. And I think that's the direction that they're going, especially with where car is at and how she needs to be her human self. And she's going to try to work through her problems by helping rain stay human versus alien. I think that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting mm-hmm. thing to see play out fully. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sarah, to get to your point about them wrapping up this portion of the story, um, I, I think they will, um, uh, because given this is such a long hiatus, I mean, just structurally, it just makes sense to end this particular arc mm-hmm. before they, before they, you know, go on that long break, um, whether or not it was. But then again, um, I think I read where this break is not so much. Um, well, there are a couple things going here. I think one, the CW president only wants to have like four shows on at once as far as the superhero shows. And, it also, and then the second thing is uh, I believe there were some production delays with Supergirl, which uh, required uh, them to, you know, uh, go on break now too. So 
So even though story-wise it makes sense to take a break and you know, end this particular arc, it would not surprise me if it ends up we have this, like, I don't want to say mini cliffhanger, but, you know, things are, like, right in the middle of it, and then we're just going to have to, like, wait for, like, you know, two months <laughs> to see what happens. Right. It wouldn't surprise me at all. No, and those are those are good points for how if if the break was as unexpected as a lot of us viewers when we heard about it, that's how we took the news. Like, really? Um, if that's the case, then I can see how the the story isn't going to work out that way to where they're, they wrap this up sooner rather than later. Um, it will suck, though, if they use another cliffhanger because they just did that for the midseason. Yeah. And it... And it's just, it's a pacing thing. Like, um, seasons are stronger when they have, when they're better paced than um, but granted, it's a constant reminder that TV is a business and there are things that are outer, out of control in the writer's room. They don't have control over when these episodes are shot or or just scheduling wise. So um, it is always interesting to see that clash from from us as a viewer thinking like, oh, well, if the writers had just had this episode take place here as opposed to then, I would have felt the impact more. That's not their call. They're, that's a production call. So that's um, a great point to bring up. Um, besides the girl team up, Rainy and Wynn are, need to become best friends by the end of the season because those two had great comedic chemistry together i love them yeah that was great they, yeah that, it was uh it was fun just seeing the, their interaction and yeah they do have totally total great great timing but also that competition too is like well, this is my house don't come in here tell right. me how to do my thing <laughs> right you know it's it's kind of similar for um not this past season um not this past crossover event, but last year's crossover event um, in 2016, we had a lot of Felicity and Cisco moments. Mm -hmm. And this this kind of geeky, nerdy chemistry reminded me a lot about that, like awkwardness, understanding each other, but still a little bit of competition there. And um, I think they just gel. So now we just need to get Curtis, Cisco, Felicity, Brainy, and Wynn in a room. Yes. And I want to see that episode. That's, that's yes, yes. That's that. Hey, that next year's crossover. You just you just planned it out. <laughs> please, 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 please. Or actually, you know, for me as like. A Felicity wannabe. Can I just have Felicity meet Rainy at some point in time? Because <laughs> <laughs> remember how they were geeking out about the alien technology? Oh God. Anyway, I'm <laughs> focusing on Supergirl. I swear, guys. So speaking about theories that are right, Reagan, yes. who if you missed her episode, she totally forewarned us about this. So go back and listen to it. She's the editor at over at TV After Dark. She was spot on the money. By the end of the season, Alex will become Ruby's adopted mom. Yep. Totally set it up this she episode. Totally did. Yep. Yep. Drop yep. the mic. She's she she nailed it. 
Yep. You know, even after watching just this episode, if if I don't see Ruby or I don't see Ruby and Alex interact for the rest of the season and by the end of it, suddenly it's like, oh, I can adopt you. Buy it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> totally buy it. <laughs> oh, man. Those were all of my thoughts about this episode. I thought it was strong. I, I prefer last week's. Um, but, but you know, it's it wasn't bad. I liked it. Yeah. I Anybody like, else? Yeah. Uh, no, I think y'all covered it pretty well. I really don't have much to add. Plus, I'm allergic to the planet, so I can't really go there. <laughs> it's really not your kind of episode to comment on. <laughs> or to mansplain on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, let's let's head over to a place where Will can just gush and geek completely out over it. Let's go to head over to Central City. We have the elongated night rises, and I have I I like this episode. I have my problems with this episode. Um, Will, what yeah. did you think? Barry's in jail. Barry's in jail. They didn't drag out the. The trial, but even though I think I, I think the trial of the Flash, you know, I think the for this arc is more not the action in a courtroom, but this this whole dynamic with him being in in, in Iron Heights, um, being the actual being the trial itself, um, and all the things that come that will that will flow from that. Um, but this episode itself, um, yeah. It was a serviceable episode. I mean, I didn't, you know, one, I guess one of the plus things that uh, came out of it for me were, uh, you know, one, I, I'm starting to warm up to Ralph uh, as far as the character. Um, also, it was a nice callback to the uh, original 1990 series, um, Bringing Prank, um, uh, the trickster's wife, um, to, to into this universe and uh, you know seeing seeing that obviously since obviously Mark Hamill was kind of occupied over the last little bit <laughs> but um, the trickster's son um, he I, I have to say I, I did like the uh, I guess the quote of the interaction between uh, Ralph and, and the trickster uh, yeah, that that was a pretty funny, pretty funny scene and stuff. So, I mean, I, I, like I said, I felt um, I, I thought it was an okay episode. I think the thing that I had the most problems with was just again how they're dumbing down Cisco and Caitlin. Uh, yeah. Um. They yeah, that was like really no, no that 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 part you know that uh, I know there's a lot of like. People a lot of angst right now with the whole original Team Flash and everything like that. I, I get some of that angst, uh, and, and for me, it's just from the side that they're they're dumbing down those two characters in particular. Um, right. And uh, so I, I, that was where I did have some issues with the episode. But you know, uh, you know, but as far as Ralph coming into his own and you know the big pep, the pep talk that Barry gave him in the in you know while they were in Iron Heights. Um. um yeah, it, you know, it was, it, it 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 was good. I mean, I think it was it's good, you know, 
if they're going to shut Barry down from being the crime fighter on the street and sort of be the, um, I guess, moral compass cheerleader role here in the prison now, like he sort of, like his father sort of played um, to Barry um, when he was first emerging as the Flash. Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's, it's an interesting place for them to take the show. Um, let's, um, let's unpack what you were just saying about Ralph though, before we get yeah. into Barry too much, yeah. because I think you brought up, you, you brought up both sides of this one side, the trickster and that continuation of that thread that I think has been here since season one, there's always been an episode featuring um, this character and his family. And now they've expanded that to include his mother he he's the perfect villain for the elongated man to have yeah. like that matches that match tone mm-hmm. of both personas so perfectly. Yeah. And, and I was shocked by it at the same time. I still cannot get over who made that decision to say, yeah, so we're going to have the trickster trap trap Caitlin and Cisco who have some of the most badass powers ever exactly. and then the, the elongated man is going to have to save them what the heck yeah. that makes no sense yes none, none. It just they there should have been this like side remark where you see this mini conversation between Harry Cisco and Caitlin where they're just like yeah, we got the cuffs off, so we weren't weren't going to be really in trouble if things had gone wrong or something. Like it just, it, there, there, this show always has a problem with having too many metas around, mm-hmm. and it and it always is more apparent because it's not just that they have the metas; it's that they often don't know how to use them without belittling the other ones. Yep. And that's what bothers us so much. But yep. Yep. Patricia, were you on board with the tricksters versus the um, team flash or whatever we want to call them these days? <laughs> I, I enjoyed the episode. I felt like I didn't really like the trickster or prank the mom. Um, I mean, I know you're not meant to like these characters at all, but, um. But incest yeah. only works on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I did love this goes on about the old Oedipus, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was weird. Um, I did enjoy the interaction between the elongated man and the trickster himself. I don't think they needed the mom to be there at all. No. Really? No. Like, she was unnecessary for the storyline, really. Um, I mean, it does give you insight into the character, yeah, but at the same time, just a little unneeded. And the fact that I think it was interesting because, you know, Wells is up on the roof trying to, you know, deactivate the acids or acid stuff or whatever they called it. And he actually deactivated it. 
So he saved everybody, really. I mean, the acid would have gone straight through the elongated man if it was in deactivated in the first place. So who actually saved everybody? It was Wells. Uh, he goes by Harry. 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 Harry? What? HR. No. Harry? <laughs> Wells. HR guy. HR's dead. <laughs> it's a, you're forgiven if you don't. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, they're all the same. No, they're no, not. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you want all? You want all of Twitter to become after you? Because <laughs> Will will send them. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I, he will send them. I will he has not, them on speed dial. No, 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 no. I, I will defend you, but. <laughs> it, no, it's you just, won't. You guys, it's just. There's a lot of time travel, there's a lot of Earths, and there's a lot of Wells, and we have to stick by their names, or else we'll get really freaking confused. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's hard enough to call Thawne Wells as it is, so, yeah, yeah so don't mess us up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, okay, Patricia, stop trying okay. to make Wells happen. <laughs> you want to know this? <laughs> okay. So, so let's go to Barry in prison. <laughs> no, um, I liked all of his interactions with Iris. I thought that was really good, and um, I really liked their emotions in those scenes. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why Goldberg needs to be a cellmate. That stuck out to me. Um, I also am curious as to if this this friend is going to become a bigger character um, for kind of like uh, a few episodes this season and maybe turn and sell Barry out in a way. I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I just, there's something about this episode where, again, it reminds me a lot about last week. Everything to do with um, the Al the West Allen family, I really appreciated it. It was done really well. It was well acted and well written. Mm -hmm. I just also just feel like we're kind of always we're anytime that they don't feature um, brainstorm and what's happening over there and the thinker, this is just biding our time. Like, how does this get us any further in that plot? when we're so focused on all of these other things. Well, sir, I think you made a good point uh, last week in the show that was never heard by anyone else. All right. But, um, you know, this, there's not enough weight um, with that thinker story, mm -hmm. honestly. And, you know, they're going to do these filler shows to basically um, you know, fill time, and quite frankly, um, some of the some of the, some of the thinker stories have been oh good, but as far as a villain, I mean it it that threat or you know or whatever is just not there to like carry it a full season, and I don't you know and you know, we don't want to end up with what we ended up last year during the third season with Avatar, where they were like just dragging it on and on and on and on, and nothing really. There was no that the ball wasn't advanced forward. So, 
with even though you had Savitar on screen. So I'm okay with them not having them around, you know, for a few episodes at a time, just to, just to break that threat up and really focus on, you know, some of the other dynamics that are that are going on in, in, in the city. Barry being in jail, just how he's coping with that, that kind of thing. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think you, you said it right. You know, when they do those scenes, they do them very well. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if they, as long as they, you know, I guess the flip side is, as long as they don't drag that out too much either, um, then, um, you know, I think pacing and everything wise, if they do a good mix of the two, then we should be okay the rest of, uh, you know, 4B. Right, right. Patricia, uh, what do you think about Barry being locked up these days? I mean, I don't, don't really like it, but I like how they're doing it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, like when the riot started and, like, you know, the inmates were fighting the the prison guards and stuff, and then Barry just sort of quickly takes care of it all to just sort of help out. Like, I just... You know, they keep his story going very subtly, even though he's diminished by being in jail. He can't help with the outside world. And I really liked his little interaction with Joe while he was mopping um, about how, no, you can't just phase out of here. You just got to stay put. You got it handled. It'll be fine. You know, the other thing I, I think I wanted to mention is really funny is that we used to have so many speedsters on this show and now all of them are gone or locked up. Like, why don't they just call up Wally and be like, Hey buddy, why don't you come back for a visit? Help us out. But no. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's off to the late brother. He's, he's gotta go. Yeah. I think Sarah made that call before anyone else did. Yes, she did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah. I, I get that, but I think it's nice that they don't have any, I mean, I think it's interesting, but I think it's also nice that, you know, and I know that they're still sort of diminishing Cisco and Caitlin, but it's nice that they have other characters to focus on, not just speedsters, because I think we did get burnt out on the whole, oh, it's just going to be speedily fixed with any speedster around. So well, I heard and, what you did there, and I appreciate uh, it. Yeah, yes, yeah. well, <laughs> that was very yeah, well, well turned the phrase there. Uh, one hey. other thing too, you know, it's the other problem with having too many speeches around. You can't have that. They can't be greater than Barry, so um, so they they couldn't keep all the speedsters around because we saw what happened with Wally this season. He just got diminished, and you know some. You know, he had an awesome moment in the in the crossover in the church, mm-hmm. but then when Barry's around, he's like, he's tripping over his feet. So, yeah, yeah. So Barry's the worst. Yep. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's in jail. No, I kid, I kid. Well, we could still have a speedster running around. We don't really know who she is or where she comes from, but I think one of the standout moments and. Again, it just so happened to be the last five minutes. Why does this keep happening to us on these shows, guys? Um, but we have um, the mysterious girl who showed up at the West Allen wedding mm-hmm. way back when, appears at the end. And not only that, 
she writes in her notebook the same code that Barry wrote back in episode one of the season when he first came out of the Speed Force. So, A, what the heck is going on? And B, who is she? You know, I could probably go on something though. She, when she was talking to Cisco and Harry, I thought it was really interesting how she used the term infinite consequences. And that feels very much like a term that the thinker would be using in terms of all of these calculations, like any time he he walks away from a, an event in his plan, he always makes a snide comment about like, well, there was this 10% probability that it would have been this or this 20% probability. And so it, it's kind of it's kind of odd. Like, is she a byproduct of the thinker's plan that even he couldn't calculate? I don't know. Or, or is she really a, a speedster from the future who's connected to the West Allen bloodline? Or is she even a speedster at all? Uh, Why does she have to be a speedster? Well, she's a speedster. It's just a matter, it's just a question of like, well, there's a few prevailing, the prevailing theory is that it's Mary and Iris is um, one of their twin children, uh, Dawn. And then they also mm-hmm. have a son named Dawn. Um, yeah, but um, there's also the thought that it's uh, their granddaughter, who was um, Excess, who, or Jen Ognaught, who's also a, a Legionnaire, which, you know, trips back to your super, back to Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a crazy one I saw this weekend that, um, that she's actually Cisco, a gypsy's kid. Yeah. <laughs> I saw like, that too. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was one that I thought of a few weeks ago when I, we had Reagan on the show, uh, where I thought maybe it's actually Joe and Cecil's, um, mm-hmm. daughter. Um, and, um, so, you know, those are four possibilities. Well, to, to Patricia, to go back to your question, why does she have to be a speedster? It, it just seems like the most logical decision because how did she get here? Because she's definitely not from this earth. So she has to have some kind of ability to get to the other earth, which probably leads into that theory that she's um, Cisco's daughter mm-hmm. from the future. But she she's not of this time. She's not of this world. So, again, who is she and where does she come from? Like, this is a big mystery that, that I like. I, I like having it. It's very – it's going to be a surprise. And and also, they didn't – they have yet to tell it to the viewers. So we're just as confused about her as now Cisco and Harry are, even though we're more aware that this is important to the story than Cisco and Harry, but hopefully it doesn't become like a, we're not spending three episodes where Cisco, Caitlin and Barry each learn about her separately. Yeah. (laughs) Just saying. Um, I like the theory that she's Cisco's kid. Yeah. I I don't think that, I mean, that's a fun theory, but 
Yeah. I just, no, I, I mean, I know. you know, put out there too, was just, uh, I will put out there is that, you know, it could be, um, you know, the thing that I guess lends it towards it being Barry and Iris's kid is uh, Barry's line, and when he was come out of the Speed Force, we're going to need more diapers, meaning, you know, Joe and Cecile found out that they're, you know, are expecting. And then our season finale for Barry and Alice and Iris is they're going to find out they're expecting the bookend, the, uh, the bookend of season. And that's maybe where it's just a joke that he makes. Like, we're going to, hey, we're going to need more diapers. So, you know, just to point that out. At least that's another thought as far as why it's actually Dawn Allen um, that's the mystery girl. Yeah. You know, I was I was thinking because um as more and more pieces fall into place about what he was actually talking about when he first came out of the speed force for forth in that episode started to come to light and make sense. Um I keep going back to this house is bitchin'. <laughs> um and I and I thought about it the other day and I'm just like what if he was referring to the thinker's hideout, which just so happens to be the basement of their house? Mm. And I can just imagine Cisco walking in there into that secret layer and looking around with all the tech and being like, this house is bitching. Yep, yep, that's probably <laughs> what it is. <laughs> like, it just seems, it, and also, and... I don't think that they realize that that is where the layer is and where all the gadgets and all of the evidence really is hidden um, because Barry has been there, but he woke up there. So I'm, I don't think he knows, like, realized it was actually a part of their house or not. But didn't Barry run out by himself when he left the lair? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but maybe yeah. maybe he was running too fast and he didn't see. Well, I mean that's <laughs> that was the point of the thinker to make him stop running. <laughs> so I don't know what happens when he runs. He just runs. Oh <laughs> uh, well, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, like you were saying, Will, there's it's always a um, a hesitation going into these these middle sections of the shows because you feel like you've in the past, you've had hope that they're not going to put too many fillers and then they do. And, and it's just, we've been scarred in the past, mm -hmm. so we're not going to be naive, but hopefully they, they move forward with the next few episodes and we don't have to wait too long to get yeah. some new answers and new questions. Yeah. I do understand. I think the, um, uh week of February 13th, I think there are, there is a repeat. So we'll have a little yeah. small break uh, this month, yeah. this upcoming month. Yeah. And um, FYI, Patricia, a speedster could be coming real, real quickly. Uh, there was a photo that leaked of Iris West in a mask. Yes. Oh. So. Yep. So. And I believe Entertainment Weekly confirmed that it is, uh, it is Iris and it might be a, just a temporary, Temporary link to the Speed Force. 
or they could be they could be doing some trickery because Barry has lost his powers in the past and they've figured out a way to create a flash. So, you know, people get powers every day. Yep. <laughs> they do in Central City. <laughs> they do. They yeah. do. All right. Let's let's head over to Black Lightning, guys. Black Lightning Season 1 Episode 2, Luanda, The Book of Hope. RIP Luanda. Feel for you. Feel for you. There yeah. was a lot of death in this episode. There was. A lot of death. Yeah. Yeah. I um you know, I'm not tied to a lot of these characters because it's only the second episode. But again, they're they're moving at actually a surprisingly fast pace as well. I don't mind it. I think it's interesting because you have Lawanda die. You have Lala die. Yeah. Right? He's dead, right? He, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, I think he's, yeah. Which I know, yeah. which, Sarah, I know, I, I, when that happened, I, I, thought of, I thought about our conversation because mm-hmm. we were thinking Lala was going to be around for a while. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, wow, oh, they just smashed with him pretty quick. And, they, they don't They don't have him to spare. No. <laughs> No, and and then you have the death of the the punk kid who started mm-hmm. this whole mess. Yep. Will forget his name. Will you yep. have his yep. death? Yep. And and then you have the death of Jefferson's hope to get his wife back. Yep. Well, because that and like when when the when the episode first opened up, that's when you first meet um, Tobias, and he drops a guy in a tank full of piranhas, and then you got that guy. <sighs> Right. To, Tobias is just a very cl- conflicted person <laughs> <laughs> who has no time to mess with any a, loose ends. Yeah, okay? no, yeah, the, the trifling people, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I was, uh-huh. yeah, no, no trifling uh, persons, that, which actually, apparently, they like actually toned down his rant, which I was like, wow, they toned it down. <laughs> and I, I like how his henchman is a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good call there. Yeah. Um, they're doing a lot of good things with casting and choices to make. Um, we find out also, that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna let Patricia note. take over. <laughs> no, just a side note. Um, for anybody that watches The Heart of Dixie or has yeah. in the past, yeah. he pay- he plays a totally different character. Levon Hayes, the town mayor, football guy. Who's this? Chris? Yeah, this is Chris. Okay. Chris, right? Yeah, he plays the main character. Yeah. Okay. And you guys know what? If you're just looking for a good Netflix binge, first two seasons of Heart of Dixie are actually really good. I really like them. Hmm. And then skip to that. The the last two stuff. I've been watching (laughs) Heart of Dixie before. I started the Black Lightning, and then all of a sudden I realized that it was him, and I was like, what? LeVon Hayes. <laughs> well, I think a good hiatus show is for you just to collect a list of shows and for you to, like, say, okay, Sarah, tell me what seasons are good of this show. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> there are so many where I'll be like, yeah, this part and this part are good, and then don't watch anymore. <laughs> don't watch and anymore, then skip yeah. this season. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, I, 
yeah, a lot of death, a lot of destruction, a lot of interesting things happen in this episode. We see a lot of consequence. We see Anissa Mm -hmm. dealing with her, 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 her newfound powers. Yeah. And there's almost a fear in them. And she's also under PTSD due to the events of the previous episode. So you have her going through this very, um, this this very interesting um, thing, and she's isolated from every everybody else this episode, which I thought was an interesting choice because I would have figured she would have immediately gone to her father and been like, I don't know what's going on, but maybe that's going to lead into learning more about his relationship with Anissa now that she's a grown woman. It it changes once they leave the house. So, meanwhile, you have her sister who's also very distressed about everything that happened in the previous episode and, and kind of isolate herself. But also you see towards the end of the episode, she start act, starts acting like a little bit of a brat again. Mm-hmm. Her man puts her in place. I go back and forth with Jesse, right? It's Jessica, right? Yeah. Yeah. I go back and forth. I'm not, she feels like the, the typical character we would have on a CW show, which makes her be that much more annoying on a show that is trying so hard to not be that quintessential CW show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, this, <laughs> you gotta have one. And I yeah. think, yeah. So, <laughs> just so you can stay on it, just so you can like keep your CW card. So I think, yeah, she's going to be that character. Um, but, uh, yeah, but you're right. Uh, I, I, as far as the NIST, uh, I mean, it, I really like the way that, you know, they are gradually building her towards, let's see, is she thunder or lightning as far as to, to, Sisters, I can't remember which right off the top of my head, but um, yeah, it's like she's going to, you know, it's like the reluctant, it's kind of a parallel with her father where he's now like the reluctant hero to come back, and then now she's like the reluctant person to like, you know, discover these powers that she has, and mm-hmm. and um, and whenever she does, you know, use them, like the first time breaking the sink, and then then following the, the robbery, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it's that, that, that fear of like, what's going on with me. And, and, and like you said, Sarah, not going to her father to talk about, you know, Hey, you know, these things that you used to do, I, I can do too. Right. Well, she doesn't know that he used to do them. I thought he yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, I still figured as much just to push things along that that would be her first stop, mm-hmm. um, depending on how close they are. But if they're not, if they're not that clear, close, then it makes sense where she's, she's going to try to figure out for it on her own before she really starts to expose this new side of herself to others. And I think. I, I like what they did in terms of acknowledging the fact that she's a lesbian, mm-hmm. but not making it like a big plot point. Like 
Just like nobody knows she's a superhero, nobody knows she's a lesbian. No, they all know, and they don't mind it. It's not the problem in her life. Her problem is that she has these powers and she doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Which, which again, I thought was a great, a great choice, and kind of is the line because I can see if if she, if they want, they can use it as like a parallel to, well, when I figured out that I liked girls rather than guys. I I did that on my own. I went through that on my own and and made it work. And I didn't have to rely on anybody else to help me and her trying to do the same thing with her powers. So Yeah. Yeah. That is a good parallel. Yeah. Maybe. I don't I don't really know. They next episode the first scene could be Jefferson and her talking. <laughs> it <laughs> could like, be, but I think but I mean I think the difference you know, I was, you know, whenever we first started talking about Black Lightning and I was saying how this show has a different tone than the other shows, uh, tonal, you know, again, this would be a way that it would differentiate itself from a typical CW show uh, in that, you know, doing what you, what you just, what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, one thing is, you know, I'm rapidly like, you know, finding this is like going to be a, a definite favorite is how, um, even though some people may say it's a little derivative of Luke Cage, um, but I'm okay with that in the sense that they are taking the things that, you know, they looked at Luke and, you know, building it onto a show for regular broadcast network television that, you know, in, in making it their own and, and, you know, being a more grown-up show on the CW. Right. You know, I, I find it interesting that this is the first show that is about a, a older superhero, mm-hmm. and yet the only show on the lineup that heavily features a high school. Yeah. We, we haven't had that. Nope. Which kind of, I didn't, until this point, I mean, in this new age, I understand Smallville, the first few seasons took place in in high school, but in this new age of the CW lineup, none of those shows did. They all went to that, that 20s phase, mm-hmm. um, and this one is, is, is using that as a backdrop, um, which bleeds into everything they're setting up in terms of social context and the social issues around it. And also having his daughter, one of his daughters be in high school. So different points of their lives, which will make their, their stories um, unique to each other rather than they're both going through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily everybody's different. So I, I thought that was an interesting thing for them to do. Um, and just choice. I mean, again, standing out from the rest, um, this is only one to have that backdrop. Patricia, what are you, what are your, what's your opinion about the big drama that took place in this episode between Jefferson and his ex-wife where in the aftermath of last week, they kind of have a small reunion, but then, then they they um, they realize that they they are not at they're still at that same impasse that they were when they first got divorced. 
Well, it's not, it's not shocking to me mm-hmm. that they couldn't continue on. I thought it was a really nice touch that they, they didn't make it a happily ever after and all of a sudden she does understand why he needs to do it or anything. Nothing has changed. Her values haven't changed. She can't, she can't be like Felicity and accept the choices that her loved one is making for the greater good. Um, Do you think she's right that it is an addiction? Sure. Uh, I mean, anything can become an addiction if you do it long enough. And it's not so much like a, a traditional addiction. It's more of the, I would give up spending time with my family to go out and solve these bigger world issues type of choices and those are the choices that he would make it's for the greater good he's a principal of a school where he deeply cares about the lives of all the students that he has that's the type of person that he is Mm -hmm. and so him changing his values was a valiant effort on his part for the last nine years he chose not to be the black lightning and he chose to put his girls first and his wife had left and been out of the picture and so he was making steps towards reuniting with his ex-wife which worked and then I think the thing is is that she feels like she is the the main catalyst and that's I think we're gonna find that you know we saw a little bit of it in their little mini reunion about how she felt guilty because she asked him to get back into it just to save their girls. But he's realizing that, especially with LaShonda or LaRonda. LaRonda, yeah. Yeah, LaRonda. He can't just pick and choose who he protects. He's got to go out there and protect everybody equally. Right. And I noticed, like, on your on your notes... Like, I can't remember what you said. You said, while protecting everyone, he's protecting his family too. Something along those lines. Oh, it's, it's, can he, can he do both? Like, is it realistic for him to think that he can do both? Protect his family and save the city simultaneously? I think so, because if he's saving the city, and nobody really knows his identity, even though he's only wearing a mask over his eyeballs. Um, (laughs) And you can still see the bottom half of his face. Um, You know, if he can save the city, then he is saving everyone who lives there, and that includes his family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they they pull this thread forward throughout the the rest of the season um, because I think it's going to be a constant back and forth in the sense that you can be saving the city and yet because you left your family unprotected, they're at a higher risk or you save the, uh, save the city and don't come back. Suddenly you did harm to your family because you're a part of that. And if they lose you, they, they lose a big part of what makes them whole. So I can I can see 
how it it is a risk every time he goes out there. But at the same time, watching this episode, I just felt like Jefferson should have done the reasonable thing. Sit her down, make her watch Civil War. There's a great Spider-Man sequence in which he says, when you have powers like these and you don't do anything, then you're part of the problem. Okay? Peter Parker laid it down. <laughs> <laughs> And just every time this this issue brought up, I'm just like, guys, go watch a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Because yeah. these are legendary lines. Yep. <laughs> go to the feet now. Yep. I'm done. <laughs> oh man. It I I thought it was also I liked it. I liked how her real opinions about it didn't come into light until she actually went to visit. Um, I don't know his name, but it's the character that always is helping out mm -hmm. Jefferson. Um, now, my one problem with this sequence is I like their interaction. I thought there was a lot of subtext. There's clearly a long history there and more for the writers to explore and bringing it to light. Um, but this, the actor who plays this guy, I think is miscast. I don't know why, but he feels like a character who should have been on the WB's Everwood way back in the early 2000s and not in this show. Like, every time he says something, my mind is like, you're on the wrong show. Just like the his manner of, it's just, he's a good actor. It's just, he doesn't, I don't know how he exists in this world. Like, it's it's very disorienting for me. Well, always, well it's like, his actress James Remar, and always, he was in a, I don't remember if you, I don't know if you ever watched uh, 48 Hours with uh, Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, but he was Gans, the bad guy. And wow. so, yeah. So No, uh, I haven't watched that. But. Okay, yeah. So, well, you know, it's, um, yeah, he was the, he was the baddie in that. And so, and I think he typically plays, you know, heavier Character. So when you said when you're starting to talk about that, I, I was thinking, well, maybe I, I haven't seen Everwood, but if he was if that player, that character was a bad guy, then you're you're spot on because that's the type of characters he usually plays. No, he he just I guess I guess I I relate it to Everwood because there's always a voiceover on that show, like somebody's reading you a story, mm. and just the delivery of this actor's lines, I always feel like he's. He has his story voice on, <laughs> not really like his, I don't know, I'm making up terms right now. And it's, and it's not a big deal, it's just something I wanted to bring up because um, I I kind of had this subconsciously when I was watching the first episode, and then in the second it kind of just confirmed that I just, I feel like he was miscast and he kind of takes me out of the show whenever he's on screen, even though I do like all of his interactions with all of these characters. I just wish it was played by somebody else who actually felt like they fit into this world that is slowly being constructed. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Um, and, and by the end of this episode, 
we Jefferson um, decides to actually return Black Lightning's back, y'all. Mm-hmm. And and Tobias is definitely gonna be the big bad of the season, yep. which I don't know if they're kind of blowing their load the first season or not with that, because they're. I feel like with Lala, you at least had a two season kind of deal going on, but I don't. I'm not sure if Tobias is gonna live for the rest of the season or oh, or beyond. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be the he's gonna be there for a while, I think. He should be. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I mean I think I think he's just gonna throw a lot of like a bunch of lalas at Black Lightning. Um and they'll have their big epic show first showdown at the end of this, you know, first season, but yeah, he's gonna be around for a while. So, quick question about Tobias. Does he have superpowers? He has piranhas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he doesn't need superpowers. He's got the piranhas. <laughs> it, it's just... He, oh, because... He's like Kingpin. He's just the badass. End, yeah, because at the end, he, like, yeah. lifted the guy off his chair to, like, choke him. He choked Lala, you know? And that is a kingpin move. You're right, Will. Yeah. We are totally listening to your question, Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> we okay. are totally with you. We're just trying to, yeah. Um, to, to Will's point, it, it's, um, you, you got to think about it in the same way you think about kingpin on Dare, Daredevil and how he doesn't have superhuman abilities, but he's just naturally strong and built in that way where he um he's got that rage in him that boils over so i we Mm. at this point there's nothing to say that he has superpowers but there's also nothing to say that he doesn't but i don't think he does okay picking up on that so he's just a bad person and he's got a big chip on his shoulder. Yep, so. and, he, and he killed Jefferson's father, if I recall. So. Yep. yep, true story. Fed him to the piranhas or something yep. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wonder if they're just going to, like every episode, show Tobias with another James Bond villainous um, item. Because, like, didn't the piranhas like, a villain having piranhas come out with, like, the James Bond movies? Yeah, yeah, I think that, it was, uh, which one was it, The Living Daylights, I believe? No, it wasn't piranhas, it was sharks, but, you know, sharks, piranhas, you know. Can he have sharks next episode? Yeah, well, he can have anything he wants. <laughs> and then can we get him, like, sitting in an office chair and then turn around and there's, like, this cat on his lap? Like, that's another thing. <laughs> Granted, I could be thinking more Austin Powers than actual James Bond, but no, still, they're yeah. one in the, uh, the same, so. Or Dr. Claw from uh, Inspector Gadget. Yep, and then at one point, Tobias also needs to have a submarine, okay? So, <laughs> we can escalate this, but I think that's the route they should take. <laughs> I think Twitter fans are going to be mad at me. They're going to be mad at 
you about the whole James Bond's Austin Powers thing, man. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> what? Austin Powers what? is a spook movie of James Bond. It's just, that's, that's fact. <laughs> Why would anybody? Yeah. Austin Powers is a great movie. James Bond, James Bond. Okay. I've, I've shared my thoughts on James Bond in the past. It didn't go over so well. Mm. I'm so glad we are doing great staying on topic with all of these shows, guys. I wonder if we can stay on topic for Arrow Talk. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> we can try, Sarah. We can. we can try. Yes, we can. Because yeah. I was really, I was really down last week after they returned. Um, they had probably one of their worst episodes of the season, and this episode. It makes sense now. This, that last week's episode was legitimately part one of two. Mm-hmm. Because if you put both of these episodes together, it's much more coherent. It's not as annoying. It's not as much, it doesn't feel as much of a waste of time for everything that they did. Because this second episode continues a lot of what the first one did, but you just, it felt bigger it felt more authentic um you you saw Caden James a lot more you they they're slowly pushing him forward um but at the same time there's still a lot of cards that are being withheld we find out in this episode that the real vendetta is actually that almost to the day a arrow and I'm putting up quotation marks because we're not sure who did it Mm -hmm. um, shot was out in the field and killed Caden's son due to a missed um, a shot gone wrong and an arrow that went off course granted at this time last year he was in hub city recruiting Vina so who did it and how and how did that information get back to Caden still has yet to be seen but we all know it was Prometheus. Prometheus, yep, right? <laughs> yep. We all know that. We all know that. Yep. So, so they're they're moving forward, and at the same time, you have a little bit more continuation with the team being divided. Now we have two teams, but we really got the Queen family dynamics that I think was what was lacking in the previous episode, mm-hmm. and that's really why this episode it felt much more tied together. Because what we were saying about the Flash, when you when you're not focused on the West Allen family, the episode is falls down um, because that's really the core of the show. I feel like in on Arrow, when you're not focused on Oliver or his now small family that they're building up this season, I mean, you're Oliver's a family man now. The show falls down. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like any other superhero show that's on TV and not uniquely Arrow. But, Patricia, what did you think about this week's episode? Um, I really enjoyed it. I liked, um, I liked the part when, um, they showcased Will and his own ability to help people that was probably my favorite part of the episode um he helped everybody get off the bus before he got off the bus kind of deal even the bully he helped 
even the bully. Like that was sort of a nice little touch. Um, but I will say it was an, it was an awfully short bus that he was on for somebody who's so smart. Well, they were going on a field trip. They used the small buses for field trips. Yeah, it's activity bus. For smaller groups. I've gone on a few field trips, and we always had the larger bus. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. Because those other kids on that bus certainly did not know what coral is. (laughs) No, I I really thought it was nice, and I, I liked... I think you're completely right. It's really nice when they can focus on the whole family dynamic thing with these shows because that's the core, like you, like you said. I'm just regurgitating what you said. It is the core of what the sh- makes the show the show and what it's about. It's about family loyalty. And right now the two separate teams means that the family is having issues. Yeah, but there's – this one side of the family that is growing and becoming stronger, like with Felicity and Will, like Felicity felt weird being the stepmom trying to talk to her now stepson. And I thought it was a really nice touch at the end where they all sat down and had a family meeting and they talked about what happened. And Will said, well, I understand why you got to go out and do it. And I don't feel so alone now because I have Felicity. And, you know, that I just love how his character is evolving. And I hope they add that more in the future to where maybe he joins Team Arrow or starts to train or help Felicity in the computer, like become a mini Cisco kind uh, of smart science guy. I I think that'd be cool. I'm gonna have to disagree with you there. I'm hoping he just stays a normal kid. Um, I think um, we don't need to. Ha- I don't know if we need to have like the, you know a Batman parallel or something like that, where Damien like you know becomes Robin and grows up to be Batman. I, no, I think I think you know I think Will can be a very street smart kid and stuff, but I think he just should remain a kid and have a quote unquote normal life <laughs> well you know, you know that kids grow up right well i understand that <laughs> yeah I, duh <laughs> but yeah i no, but i just don't think that the show needs to go that direction with them i don't think the show would be on long enough to go that direction fully with him um I, the kid would have to go grow up real quickly for them no, to do no, that. But, no, but, no, no, but no, but it's taken the arc that way that you know he's mm-hmm. eventually going to grow up to be the next Green Arrow for Star City. No. Yeah, I, I'm but a bit I undecided. Store. I mean, there's enough going on without him taking that arc. But anyway, but you know, getting to the show itself, um, I, I I liked. You know the you know the whole issue of family and the, the you know as you said Sarah it does make the episode from last week more complete like mm-hmm. as a second parter to you know to deal with even though the, the family's estranged right now uh, they are still cooperating but it's still dealing with those diagonal secrets because even Mr. Terrific did not tell his new teammates about his conversation with Vigilante right. 
So there's okay. yeah. So uh, you know, so even within the the new team, they are still that the, the transparency is still not there. That you know that they felt how Oliver let let them down and, and, and spied on them. So even 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 with the new team, there, there's still some of that they they, have to, they they haven't learned their lessons from what caused them to you know have the rift with with OTA. Right. Um. I want to, uh, sorry, Will, I, yeah. I want to first go back to Patricia's comment about the Queen family meeting for a moment, mm-hmm. because I still, I, I like that moment. I don't understand why at the end of it, though, Oliver still was so defeated. He he called it bittersweet, or, or Felicity said it was, that was really nice what Will said, but it was also kind of awful. So I, I don't really understand why they they responded that way when it felt like William wasn't going to hold the lie against them. And he also was accepting the sacrifice of being in this family that they all have to take um, because of what they're trying to do for the city. Did did anybody else have kind of like did that stand out or what are your thoughts? Because I'm a bit confused by that. Yeah, I mean, it seemed at least earlier this season, it seemed that Oliver was coming to to accept his new role as a father, mm-hmm. um, and, and passing you know and, and allowing Diggle to be you know to be the arrow. And I think Oliver was you know it seemed like okay, I've closed. I'm closing that part of my life now and I will focus on being a mayor and being a father to William. But then he got, you know, once they, once I got out, it pulled me back in again. And I think maybe he was, you know, I think maybe he felt regret that he wasn't able to make that clean break. So it's, so it, it, it matches up to what Diggle said when he returned to the Arrow Cave after being out in the field again mm-hmm. about, well, he still wants to get back to being the Arrow again. Mm-hmm. Like, which I thought was also another very interesting mo- moment yeah. in terms of this episode because we often forget that in last year's crossover, they when they were in that dream world, Diggle's Deagle's, um regret-free life, or whatever you want to call it, was him being it, being the Green Arrow in that city um, alongside with Felicity. Mm-hmm. So, so that that still is something that he desires, much like what you were saying. That Oliver is fine, that happy that William made peace with him being the Arrow again. But he's still not at peace with that because he always wants to be the father first. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes – thank you. <sighs> okay. I think it's something a little different. I think of it – Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Felicity says that it's bittersweet because, you know, the last thing that Will says before he goes to bed is like, well, at least I have Felicity now. And that sort of insinuates that he thinks that maybe someday being the arrow won't be enough and he's going to lose his dad. So he's acknowledging the fact that Oliver is choosing that life. Yeah. And so it's sad because 
even though he's accepting it and being an adult about it, going back to Will's point, he should stay a kid and not have to worry about things like that. And so that's why Felicity thinks it's bittersweet. And that's why Oliver is still a bit down about it because Will is growing up too fast and becoming too mature about the situation. Mm. I thought you were going to go in a completely different direction and say that clearly he is saying <laughs> that Felicity, he prefers having Felicity as a parent <laughs> overall. <laughs> uh, but that's, 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 that's a great point you just made, uh, Patricia, that, uh, yeah, yeah. But my point is valid as well, because, come on, I would much rather have Felicity as a parent than Oliver. <laughs> of course of you course. would, Sarah. Yes, of course you would. I yeah. mean, but the, the first scene in the episode kind of also, Oliver's very subconscious, um, self-conscious as Will's father. And he, he even is like, take your flash backpack. <laughs> I don't know why you couldn't have an arrow backpack, but probably because I'm not a hero in my city. Whatever. <laughs> All right. That's, that's enough. Alyssa domesticity talk. Um, new team arrow. I like them. Um, I think it is interesting what we're seeing happening with Vince. I think we're getting a little, a lot more payoff with his character being put in this position of can he be trusted or can he not considering he was affiliated with Caden. Mm -hmm. Now he's giving us information. Do we buy that information? And now that that information is actually proving to be true, there is a, a still a question of doubt with really making him a part of this team that is going to cause problems down the line because he's, he's particularly never liked Oliver. So even though new team arrow doesn't include Oliver, if they keep working together, I don't really know if Vince is going to be okay with that or not. I like that. They took over the, um, Helix. 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 There you go. I knew it was something like that. I like that they took over the Helix, the headquarters. That was a smart move on Curtis's part. Yeah, yeah, I think that was that was that was a cool move. In it. And I think Sarah, to your point um, about whether you know Vigilante and will be able to reconcile or, or be able with new new uh, new team working with the OTA if. The goal is, you know, by doing being his double agent uh, to to bring down Caden, you know, that he will he will he will do what is necessary to be able to make that happen. But uh, you know, I guess the thing is, will there you know, will there be a you know a, a, another flip where you know vigilante like does something to jeopardize new team to to prove his loyalty to Caden. My question about Vigilante is, is who is he hired by to be a double agent for? If it wasn't for Arrow or for Team Arrow or somebody that we know, who's the other big player that hired him? Or is he just doing it out of his own, the own goodness of his heart? 
Oh, he wants to get laid. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> He's thinking of his penis. Okay. <laughs> He's a man. <laughs> Is there another... <laughs> Sorry, Will. Shut your ears for a moment. Is there another part? <laughs> what? He has been quasi-dead for a very long time, people. Come on. And Dinah's right there. Well, I get it, but it's not like Dinah asked him to be a double agent. Or did he well, just... Okay, maybe it was a little crass, but I do think... <laughs> I do think that it's not that anybody hired him to be a double agent. There is what you're more alluding to, I believe, is the missing piece of how Vince met Caden and was recruited by Caden and how and 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 that validation of if Vince going into business with Caden really is him like I, I understand his vision. I want to do what he does or if it's if it was kind of like a um, a double turn. Um, where I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand by Caden as long as he's doing this. And then I realize that he, he's taking this too far and I want to switch teams because sometimes people do switch teams. I, what I really see happening with, um, with Vince is more the writers using him, um, in parallel with the, the redemption that they're, they're working on for Dinah, i.e. Black Siren, and to try it, or Laurel. Like, she was called Laurel on Earth, too, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of weird. Anyways. Well, Laurel, okay, never mind. Well, <laughs> I could go on. Her fake Laurel or evil Laurel, so. Y- y- yeah, it's um, Laurel Dinah Lambs is the full name and everybody was like Dinah's an Easter egg for the original Black Canary until they killed off this Black Canary and then introduced real Dinah. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we're talking tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I um I th- I think he he's just he he's kind of like a character you would typically see do a double cross, you know. Mm-hmm. He he often goes with whoever is winning, and um, but part of his history with Dinah, I think, is definitely pulling him to, especially because she is not currently aligned with Oliver. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know why he doesn't like Oliver. But there is something to say for that, that in this episode, new Team Arrow was not aligned with old Team Arrow. Therefore, Vince suddenly wanted to jump ships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very long explanation for a very simple question. I apologize. No. <laughs> okay. No. I learned no. a lot that I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Way to break. Way to unpack it, Sarah. <laughs> Oh, you guys are too much for me. <laughs> Way too much for me. Um, quick question. Mm-hmm. What is the likelihood that Caden's son was Billy from last season? I was thinking that. <laughs> uh, yeah, whenever, yeah, I was like, I was trying to remember the name of the character that Oliver, Oliver had mistakenly, like, killed. 
and yeah. I couldn't think of it. Um, I mean, it, uh, it makes sense. I, and you, 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 Sarah, you are you're you're uh, you are breaking all the uh, uncovering all the um, story points for this season. Was Billy the guy that was dressed up like? Yes. Yeah. Prometheus mm-hmm. and okay. Yep. Yeah. He was a cop, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I do remember what happened. Okay, cool. It's the the only the only thing about that though is the timing is not in sync, but I would yeah. have to rewatch the episode to listen really closely to see if they say on this day a year ago or almost to the day. Yeah. Because that it was Billy died it, episode nine, very close to episodes ten and eleven of last season. No, they said on this day mm. a year ago. Well, well, then it's complete BS. And it should have been Billy because that would have been a more interesting plot. <laughs> I, don't, don't give, don't, do not give up on it so easily. Don't give up on it. I mean, I, that make, I mean, cause who, uh, I mean, it, there could be some other, you know. It was still all, Prometheus. Yeah, it was still Prometheus. Like, regardless. Yeah. I, it, it, and if it wasn't, if it's not Prometheus, it's gonna be like, uh, like when they, um, they set up the reveal for, um, the vigilante. Um, it, it, it's definitely somebody you've seen, guys. Yeah, like a two minute opener for a setup of a character where we weren't even really paying attention. That really counts. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Like, don't do that. Where, you remember that time when Oliver shook hands with this person? <laughs> he, he shook the wrong hand. <laughs> he didn't um, use sanitizer after either, so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, I I think we're done, guys. I think we've reached the finish line on this unpacking of everything CW heroes. Any last thoughts before we close out the show? close the uh, anniversary ride. It's been a fun, fun year. Looking forward to uh, year two. Patricia, <laughs> why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? They can get angry with me about who and which Harry Wells we need to talk about. Oh my God. At <laughs> Miller 20 on Twitter. And Will, where they, where can they find you? Yes, you can uh, find me at Will M. Polk, W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJBelmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please go and follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can also find us on the CastBox Android app. Thank you. Good night. Geek out. You're welcome. 